It's the Tiltcast, episode 506, Gable It Up. And this week, guys, we talk about Marvel's Spider-Man, Salt and Sacrifice, and Warhammer 40k Demon Hunter. Stay tuned. Mix squeakins. <laughs> Ah, stereo. It's the Tillcast, and it and it is May eighth. Yep. Oh wait, no, that's not right. It is May twenty first. Sorry, my my laptop's behind. It is May twenty first at seven thirty eight p.m. It is sixty one degrees. Feels like sixty degrees on a Saturday, and it is just me, Justin, and me, Jason. Um, we're an M-rated show. Um, doing this all out, sort of a backwards order and just gumming this all up. Um, be prepared. Mostly because we're proud of ourselves. Yeah. So, uh, be prepared for a schedule of some sort of things and stuff that we're about to do. I'm not going to say any of those things. Some amounts of bullshit. Games and news. Um, but more analog gaming. Um, we are... We've been so for a long time. I've been piddling around with a gaming table. We've talked about it a little bit on the show. Um, so what back in February, me and you picked up lumber, I think. Yeah, end of February or start of March, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I went to like seven shows uh, between then and now, and I went out of town five times. Um, so I have not had the weekends to mess with this. Um, me and my dad went through and started building this back in March. Had a complication with part of the table where, well, I'll just explain what the table is. It's, it is uh, six feet by four feet. It is a very large table. It is a bomb-ass fucking gable, gaming table. It's a gable. Gable. It's a gable. Um, um, but we, I'm just gumming it up, too. Yeah. Um. But it's a six by four table um, with a uh, roughly um, three and three, three by two insert. Uh, so four feet long by two feet wide. There you go. It's uh, it's almost four feet long. So. And I measured 13 inches from either side and the ends to give myself a hole to have a recess to roll dice. And yep. so there's about a, in man inches, I want to say it's about a three or four inch drop, about three inches probably, three three real inches drop. Um, uh, yes, uh, probably closer to two, two and a half, yeah. It's two one buys and then you got the thickness yep. of the plywood. But it's so there's a drop, and then there's felt in the middle of that drop, mm-hmm. and so the top lifts off. And I didn't really have any kind of instructional on this at all. I just looked at other gaming tables and was like, I can do something like that, I think. Yep. And I, I was going to help him stain it, but then life happened on my end, and that didn't happen. So it was all kind of, it was all kind of jank just in, uh, Learning how to work wood and build shit with well, I've his dad. I've always how to work wood. 
build shit with his dad and uh, and work out the the staining process. So how many times did you stain that table? So I don't know anything about woodworking at all. Um, in fact, I've ran routers for trimming windows. So I know how to run a router, right? I know how to cut w- boards. Right. I know how to frame a window and a door. Um, I know how to work some stuff in the house, but I don't know jack shit about carpentry or furniture building or any of that stuff, right? So me and Jason had to figure out legs. And originally it was just going to be two by fours. I'm like, no, we can go fancier than that. We want to get legs that are the proper table height. And we went and looked at Lowe's and got the sturdiest fucking legs we could find, um, which is with, actually a good thing. Without having to, without him and his dad having to cut their own. Uh, that was kind of my uh, my goal uh, when you and I went shopping for lumber, since your dad wasn't there to be involved with the lumber selection. I was like, I want to simplify this process as much as possible for you as much as I could in the, in the buying part. So we got the, we got the straightest pre-cut legs that we could find. And we did a good job. We, we ended up, so there was a like pre-jolled holes for lag bolts in there. Yep. And me and dad don't know anything about furniture building. So I didn't know how to do like a reverse bolt up in there. So we found these, we well, have some lags for different things with these hex heads that are like, I don't know, about an inch and a half thick and about nine inches long. Those are some very long lag bolts. That's why I said you're not going to be able to do that by hand because it's going to take you forever. Um, Because, yeah, literally, I mean, I'm showing Jason, but like, yeah, about gay long, about about eight eight inch lag bolts. They're seven inch lag bolts, yeah. So we uh, went through the top of the table, and so I have these like really rustic looking. They're not steel; they're they look like they're brass. They almost look brass, especially now that some of your stain has been over them. Because I know you got some table stain on them, so it it even made them look more like brass than what they were. They were really the um, they they have a bronze. They have a, it, almost that a, bronze galvanized finish on the on the. On the head, right? Well, excuse so. me. Yeah, it's a uh, so that's what it is. It's a uh, we put those down for the legs, and then we trimmed it out, and then we had to figure out how to build a box. I know that sounds easy as hell, but no, it's not because I didn't want it so deep that you'd lose your dice in them. But I wanted them wanted the box deep enough so that we could also we had to trim the hole right so that we could have the lid lay on top of it. So that started with one buys with about now there were two by ones is what they were. And we use that to edge, right, one inch in, one inch out, all around the inside of it so that the lid would fall flat on it. And then we built up some one-bys underneath it to give it additional depth. And then that's what me and Jason actually just finished felting. And so it has like a lip on it to where we could push the felt under it. That wasn't intentional, but it ended up working out very well. It it worked out considering... Um... Typically, whenever you uh, you felt a part of a table like that, like if you're building a poker table for yourself, right? Right. You would actually take the tabletop before you put your uh, your uh, finishing uh, uh, border trim on the outside. You would actually take the top of that table um, – after you've pre-constructed it to make sure everything fits, right, you would take it back apart and stretch your felt over the tabletop 
and glue it down so that you're wrapping it under around the edges to the underside and then you're not just gluing the felt down you're also stapling it right right um so we couldn't do that obviously um fortunately Justin and his dad had some issues with the box, which is fine. They made it work, and they made it steady, sturdy as hell, but that meant we weren't taking that box apart. We weren't going to no, try. There's, there um, are uh, 16 four-inch screws in it, so it's trying to hide the screws, and at a certain point, me and dad just said, fuck it. Like, we had tried pre-drilling. We tried getting them at a certain angle, but no matter what you do, like, this is not premium lumber. The screw would get a little bit sideways and it ended up sticking out of the hole and it looked like shit. And he was like, nobody's looking at the bottom. Can we just, because there was a lip on it, right? On yeah. the bottom side of it. He's like, let's just screw it through the lip the lip, and straight into the bottom of the table. And then we're going to have an inch of hold there. And well, two inches of hold because it's going to go into the trim plus the table. He's like, it's going to hold. Let's just do it. Don't say anything. Let's just do it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to shut up. Let's just do it. We did that, and I stood on it, so I feel comfortable. <laughs> you you stood on the insert? I stood on the insert. <laughs> That's awesome. So it shouldn't fall through. That's awesome. But yeah, yeah there's a the lid is cut out of the top. It was literally an 8 by 4 um, sheet of plywood, and I cut two feet off the end and made that the bottom of the box and then cut out a square in the middle of it. And that ended up being the the hole. Being the top insert, yeah. So I just if I did it all over again, I would have given myself fourteen inches instead I, of thirteen. I know you had issues with the staining process and everything, and I'm uh, I'm not going to get too in depth with that. But I must say that your issues with the stain really turned into a happy accident because what he's ended up with is a is a is a two tone like a really like light oak stain for the main part of the table and then his, the insert is a really dark oak. Yeah, it's a, a, almost mahogany. That's what the color yeah, I thought the whole and, thing would be. And it really it really really looks good. Like well, really looks good. I thought so the way this happened is I tried a roller on that lid and I didn't like that I got over the edges. So on the bottom part of my lid, I've got some mistakes where it dripped down because the roller rolled it on really thick. I was like, that's too thick. I was like, I'm going to use the the rag method, right? So I took some whatever those are, you know, rags you get at Lowe's. Yeah, the linen staining rags, yeah. Right. So I got those and I rubbed on very thin coats on the other one. So the main table has about four coats of that stain. And I only rolled on two coats on the other, but the one that I rolled on two coats because it's so much thicker, I guess it just penetrated the wood or something, but it's well, leaps and bounds yeah, dark, you're, darker. With a roller, you're both putting on and leaving behind a whole lot more stain than you are with the rags. Um, so, uh, so that's why it ended up so much darker and the rest of the table ended up so much lighter the stain the the rags if you re, if you're going to use rags and you want a really dark color you either a have to start with a super dark stain or the stain that we got which was already like a medium dark mahogany stain i think it was yeah we thought um, it was going to be pretty deep brown uh you uh 
you have to uh, uh, lay it on much thicker on your first try, which means using more stain with rags because, you know, rags absorb more stain than that roller did. Um, but, I mean, I really, I actually like the... I really like the way that turned out. Um, and I'm, uh, the, the, the felt job's not 100% perfect. We ended up with a wrinkle, but, um, I'm pretty happy with the fact, I, I'm pretty happy with the fact that I actually applied felt to your insert in less than an hour. Yeah, we did. That did not take that long at all. Honestly, I just wanted it over with before we did the show, so it's like we had a little bit of the glue that got on the table, so we sanded it down one more time, threw some old English on it, and called it good. Yep. Um, and, yeah, it went from me thinking, it's going to look all right, to really it was that last coat of poly that I put on it. I put, God damn, you have no idea, I put eight coats of poly on this thing. Jesus. Um and again, I've never done that either, right? I watch all these YouTube videos about how to do that, right? And some people are saying paint it on, and some people are saying, no, it's going to leave brush strokes. I watched a guy mix it with mineral spirits, which is what I was doing. And so it was like half poly, half mineral spirits in a water bottle. And that's what he'd use. And he said it dries faster so you can apply more coats at a time. So I was doing two coats a day starting Tuesday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? That was six. Did one this morning and one this afternoon. And then I only did three coats of poly on that really dark. It it just it already looked good for some reason. I was like, this looks good. I'm, I'm going to leave it right where it's at. But the the table itself, I just couldn't get the shine. And I think part of that is I wasn't getting a good – I was doing all this in the garage under garage lights and not really seeing it in better lighting. Yeah. So that made all the difference in the world was seeing it in better lighting and seeing like – I wanted it to have kind of like that wet bar look, you know? Yeah, because that was the one thing I – I mentioned when I first got here, we went out to the table and I just ran my hand out, my hand around the edges. And I was like, you could, you were talking originally about staining it again tonight after I put the felt in. And I was like, I don't think you need to. Well, I was going to put more poly <laughs> on it. And I think you were like, no, I think it's actually all right. And I think part of it too is just the lighting. I couldn't see. Oh it. yeah. The lighting in your kitchen, so much better, especially I mean, we're in the afternoon, your kitchen, your kitchen faces west as far as the windows go. So, um, I think just seeing it in natural sunlight was just the big kicker you needed to realize that you were actually done. Yeah. It's, uh, but it's a beautiful table guys. I'm glad, again, I'm glad I finally got this done. I've been trying to mess with this for a very long time. So it's, uh. And it's massive compared to your old dining table. Like. My old dining room table is, uh, four feet by two, four feet by two and a half feet. Yeah. It's, uh, it's got enough space for one person at the end and a person and a half on the side. So it's really a four person table. And when we do game, it's a little bit cramped. Um, that was one of the things that kept happening, right? It's my little dining room table we're gathering around. And now we're in a spot where literally everybody can now I just gotta find fucking chairs. Now we could now we could literally have comfortably five people and and Dave at the table. I think we could comfortably have eight yeah. on that table. Like one on either side and 
or maybe two on either side, honestly. It, I mean, as long as they're not fatties like me and Matt, yeah. I think on depending on the size of the person, I could put two to three people aside. Oh yeah, definitely, um, definitely. It it sits a lot. It looks a lot bigger than um, what the uh, what the dimensions uh, tell you it is, right? Like, well, it's it's like I said, it's six by four feet, so. Yeah. I was having a hard time finding tablecloths for it, to be honest with you. So I think, no, I think it's because I measured it wrong. I think I was measuring it eight feet, and that's why I couldn't find a tablecloth. Oh. Because the original yeah. sheet of wood was eight feet long, but yeah. I used that those that piece for the bottom, two feet yeah. of that, you know. Yeah. You should be able to find a tablecloth that's just going to be oversized and probably more expensive. I think I'm just going to use it if we have... A bunch of people over to eat. Um, I just want to protect seepage and spit. Oh yeah, and all that kind of absolutely. Stuff. Especially over the, even if, um, even if not like a full tablecloth, even if you just almost had a mat that could go over the space where oh, in the, the middle, in the middle where the where the insert is, just so nothing seeps in between the 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 space where where the insert topper is and I think honestly it'll be fine. I would have to I'd really have to have a hell of a spill to get down there because it's gonna have to go past the trim. We'd also have to have a hell of a lot of people at the table. Well, because we could have a whole lot of a hell of a lot of drunk people at the table too, and then that could happen. True. So Though we are getting older, so the chances of that are getting lesser and lesser. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Me and my uh, two beers. None of us drink as much as we used to. Yeah. So our uh, our gable um, <laughs> turned out pretty well. Uh, it's yeah. I, and I mean, you spent less than half the half on that what you would have what you would have spent on one of the uh, uh, pre built jobs. Way the, less than half. So total cost, including the extra coats of poly and the extra coasters I got and the felt and all the hardware that I got to build that was under $200. The, pre, the pre-built tables that are this size are well over 1000 Yeah. Um, 800 was the lowest I found. Um, the only thing I think the pre-built tables have better than me is there's some that have these these rails built into the side of them that have drink coasters, and I, I was really sold on that for some reason, and at a certain point, I forgot to build a lip on the table so I could make some kind of slide rail, and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to get some coasters. <laughs> so that's what I got. I got some fucking coasters. You know, the, and that's always something we can do uh, um, uh, later on, too, with... Wow, the hell? Um, with the table, we weren't necessarily uh, like most of the pre-constructed tables. We weren't necessarily uh build the rail um uh on the lip of it like that, but um maybe do something like uh um um like a um clip system like a clip rail um, underneath on the backside of the table. 
I can figure something out. But that's upgrades we can make to the table later on. It's not necessary at the moment. Yeah, I found a bunch of different cup holder ideas for that stuff where you can slide a rail in there that will hold your cup off the table. Um, but there's enough room around the table now that I think... Yeah. Well, your insert's also not near as uh, as much of the table as normal gaming tables are. Like normal, like the normal massive pre-built gaming tables, um, most of them actually only have only have like like four inches or something like four three or four inches around the perimeter of the table that's built up and that's literally just so uh uh they've got rails again on the inside for for holders for different things and then they've got these massive you know toppers to put on top of it for a normal table or it's got leaves right um, yeah, and I, again, the more that I looked into that stuff, the more that seemed – because Dad's like, what are you going to do? I was like, roll dice. He's like, how much space do you need to roll dice? I was like, I think it'll look stupid if we just put a little thing in the middle. And so I was, he was like, okay, well, you got your paper. Like, how big's a piece of paper? And I was like, that's a good idea. We'll just go with the size of a piece of paper. So that's where 13 inches came from. Yeah. Just took a piece of paper and I was like, that fits. Well, and it's still enough, too, that you could have – we could have the insert open and you could still have a plate of food or a bowl of chips or something going around the perimeter of the table and there's still enough room for that too. Um, so I actually like that. And the space is big enough inside that if there was ever um, anything involving any kind of mansions or anything that happened, there is enough room you could do that there instead you know so i i that's mean that's true uh well we were playing think, kingdom death for a while and that has a lot of miniatures and it's got a huge board and yeah that would have helped with that too so i think i i actually think that uh the table you and your dad built kind of uh uh bridges a lot of that gap while still being much more versatile as a like a normal dining experience if if you need it to be. Which I do need it to be sometimes. Again, the the only problem I'm having right now is I, I have three chairs because when I was at my fattest, I broke one of them right. sitting in it. Yeah. But I actually think, uh, like, uh, if we want to do a rail later on, um, I can end up doing that pretty easily. But So that was our adventure tonight. Yeah, and that's been Justin's adventure for, like, I mean, you've been working on this, what, for the last two weeks, basically? Well, the frame and everything was built for a long time. I finished Monday night. Me and Dad finished the uh, finished the uh, middle part. And then Tuesday night, I sanded the shit out of it, um, which that did take a while. I think I spent the next two hours Monday night sanding that. And then I started... I wasn't satisfied with just stopping there, so I started staining that night, and that's when I stained that first piece and was not happy with myself with the results. Yeah. So that's why I went with the rag method after that, and then it just stayed dark as hell. So I was like, okay, well, maybe this will look okay. And then, you know, the rest is history. And then 
But I was just looking at my calendar since, you know, all of this, right? So let's see. I did a show in February. That's between the Buried and me. Um, I did a show. No, that was actually March. Between the Buried and me. Then I did Revocation and Cannibal Corpse. You know what? Then I did Slipknot. And then I did a burlesque show. And then I did... I do. Oh, I didn't have it on my calendar because we went the very next day. Then I went to Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats. And then I did Archspire and Inferi and Entheos and Voldavonia. And then and then I did Megadeth. So that's nice. been most of my weekends since March. Wow. And then I went and saw a drag show. That's why I liked that tone difference so much. Because oh. I've always liked t- the poker tables that, that look like that. And Jason's showing me like a hexagonal table that's $2,600 that has two it, tones. It's a cedar poker table. But that in that dark insert almost reminds me of that dark felt on this lighter wood table. Yeah, and I was going, trying to find different colors. I'm glad I chose red. I think red works really well with the, the wood. It does. It does. It, I'm I'm just super happy with uh with how the whole thing turned out. But yeah, so you had all those shows, so you didn't start the staining and everything until this week. Like literally every day or... this week I've been messing with the um messing with the table itself, just trying to get it done. And then of course today I was like, Man, I don't know how the hell to do felt and you said your dad had done furniture repair. And you're a kid, and you're like, I know how to do felt. I'll help you out with it. And we knocked that out, and we went and got some uh, Chinese food. So, yep, it the uh, yep. And for for anybody who's ever interested, the secret with felt is just go slow and press it out. I mean, I literally the craft stores will sell you like a felt roller or something like that, right? But I mean, I just used um. Justin's plastic putty knife that he had. I yeah. just I just made sure it was clean and and then just used that. Um super super easier than a lot of people think. The the hardest part is uh um since we couldn't take the table apart was just I had to cut the felt big. Um and then literally glue it and stuff it into um, the corners and under the lip and then just cut it out. Um, that, that was probably just the hardest part. Um, but super happy. Super happy. I say aside from that. Um... That was the most exciting part of my week. <laughs> That's okay. I know I ended up finally, so I had the uh, EVGA power supply that was bundled with the uh, um, GeForce 3080s that apparently was catching on fire, and that's been in my PC for a while, and I've been literally playing with fire having that thing in there. So I finally went ahead and bought a Corsair power supply. So I mean, Corsair and Seasonic, that's pretty much the tops on the power supply game for the last almost 10 years. 
Yeah, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. And then I finally got that uh, Liam Lee Evo case, which everybody has. Um, but I don't care that everybody has it because I'm not that kind of person that I'm now grown past that part of everybody has it, then you must get something different because I finally got something that everybody has. It's kind of like on a premium build level. Um, so it's, uh, the PCO 11 dynamic Evo white or the snow one. Yeah. I just wish you would have gotten a better airflow case. That's one of the best. According to Gamers Nexus. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Red's good enough for Rusty, no, it, who's a snob, then I'm it, okay with it. It's good. It just, um, uh, if you don't have a uh, um, good airflow out of the uh, uh, the top and the bottom, um, uh, you're not getting much out of the front. So those top fans are definitely um, um, definitely a premium because uh, well, the front it, of that case kind of the fans do pull air. It's just choked. No, it pulls it out of the side. So there's three fans on the side. Oh wait, this is the bigger one with the intakes on the back side, right? No, intakes on the side. So that it comes in on the side. It's got a glass L on it, and then it goes out the top and on the back. But it's got three and on the bottom. So I'm going to create positive pressure in the case to blow shit out, right? So it's going to be blowing in from the side, blowing in from the bottom, and then sucking out from the top and back. Like if look at one of those Evo builds, and you'll see what I'm saying. I'll try to, without making an audio-only show really boring, I will try to very quickly find a picture of somebody's build so you see what I'm talking about. Jason. Oh, wait. No, that's – sorry. That's the one they liked. I was thinking of the older Lee and Lee. Yeah. There's nine fans right there. Yeah. There's nine fans. I only have – Four or five in my current one. There's nine fans. It was the bottom intakes on that case that they said was gimmicky. Never mind. Yeah. And the, the shit thing about it, and, uh, you know, it only has, it has zero fans that come with it. It's a whole bunch of brackets in case, right? Um, yeah, you got to buy fans. So I had to like buy I, fans. I think Gamers Nexus, like, threw, like, two or three Noctuas in it. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> I could afford that, but I don't want to afford that. And me and Jason were talking about this. So I went, I'm going to plug a show that's pretty popular amongst the PC builders. But Jay's Two Cents um, occasionally talks about cheap stuff on his show. And there are these, they're called Up Here RGB Case Fans. They are six for 36 bucks and come with a fan with an RGB controller on it, which is insanely cheap. And so I'm going to try it for the price of yield 36 bucks and see what those six fans do for me. And uh, if I like them, um, then I will recommend them. But I don't know yet. But it's $6 a fan versus me spending 30 to 40 per Corsair fan that's yeah. also RGB. And I'm not normally all RGB, but I'm going to do a solid color RGB in this, whether it be red or blue or just plain white. Um, I'm going to do an RGB in here. Yeah. How much I care about RGB? 
my next my next case, which hopefully happens sometime this year or next year. I'm just going to, the case I'm looking at will come with three fans, so I will literally buy three more fans, and it will be three Noctua 140s in black, because I don't care about RGB. <laughs> I didn't think I did, and the more I looked at it, and the more that I'm going to put it in a place where you can see it versus being nearly hidden in my living room since... I came to a point this last month, I was trying to think about like how adult my living room was and what I wanted to do. And I was like, fuck it. I don't care. It's my house. Um, exactly. If you're judging me in my own house, then you can get the fuck out. Yep. So that's what I did. And Lola's a much better dog than she was. Not that she was ever a bad dog, but Lola was a dog that would get bored and chew on shit. And she is pretty much grown out of that stage so she doesn't get bored on and chew on shit she does get into trash and that's literally the only thing i have to watch out for but she's she's fine um you gonna you gonna why, mute that why is my phone going crazy i thought i did but uh it is now but into the world of uh gaming um jason what have you been playing this week so I've uh, uh I finished Spider Man and then started New Game Plus because I'm a pleb. Um <laughs> I mean it's a good game. And then uh um I've also been experimenting with uh um so no secret, like I think uh um Two games that I've had a hell of a lot of fun with uh, in the in the last ten ish years um, is the um, is the Tomb Raider trilogy by Crystal Dynamics, um, and the first Tomb Raider and uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider uh, both went on sale on Steam. And I literally got both of them for less than ten bucks. That's pretty cheap. So um, I've also been when I've not when I wasn't playing Spider Man. Um, not like these games need a whole lot, a whole lot of modding. But I have been experimenting with a few, with a with trying to get a couple of uh, texture and lighting mods up and going um which was actually easy for tomb raider but apparently rise of the tomb raider is extremely hard to mod um because they just so far i've only gotten one mod to successfully work and really the um the lighting wasn't uh wasn't that much improved but there's there's a couple uh of mods out there that are uh uh supposed to uh um get it pretty pretty close to to ray traced lighting and that's what I've been trying to do. Well, no, nothing too crazy. Have you you've been using NVIDIA Hairworks now that you have a better card? Oh yeah. 
So you can see your hair uh, Medusa <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I turned it on for all of 10 minutes and then I turned it off <laughs> because it's way too goddamn distracting. <laughs> Uh, I can't imagine how how people put up with that. But yeah, I just those those games are great. I just you know, I wanted to see if there was much way to uh uh to maybe change the experience a little bit going back through them. Um but there's like I said, it's a really apparently really hard game to mod for, so there's not uh uh, not a whole lot of texture and lighting mods, at least on the Nexus for it. Um, but, you know, I'll keep trying to see if I can get one to work. Yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to try it out, but Game Pass has this, uh, so there's a new game I've been watching. This is going to sound like totally not me, but it totally is me. It's called Little Witch in the Woods. Oh, yeah. So I almost bought it. And then I found out that it's on Game Pass right now, and it's essentially Stardew Valley with potions, which 100% is my thing. So that's now on Game Pass if you're interested for PC. Um, it's an early access game, which is pretty fully featured. There's another game that I'm looking at right now called Core Keeper, um, which is also now in early access, not on Game Pass, but on Steam for pretty cheap. And then there's V Rising that's out right now, which I haven't gotten a chance to uh, pick up, which is apparently blown up, which is a isometric dungeon crawler slash crafting game in the vein of Valheim, except you're a vampire. Um, that also is out right now, which has been selling gangbusters this week. So kind of poked its head earlier this week, and now it's already at half a million sales. Damn. So V Rising's doing exceptionally well right now on, on Steam. Um, so... Something else that I'm going to try at some point. It's literally sitting in my cart right now. I just haven't had a chance to dick with it because table. But I've been playing a lot of... I played a lot of uh, Salt and Sacrifice over the last week. And I played a whole lot more of <laughs> Warhammer, 40K, Chaos Hunters, Chaos Gate Demon Hunters. The longest freaking title of a video game ever. Um, mm. I started that over. And then I've been chewing through it in bite-sized chunks, a mission at a time. I like it. Um, it is not an easy game. Um, I'm, I learned some things from my mistakes. I've got 55 hours in that game. And on my new run, it's about 20 hours. And I've seen a lot of variance between my runs on random events that have screwed me. I got to a really tough spot because I didn't understand a couple of game mechanics about getting my guys upgraded a little bit quicker. And I held off too long in my first game, and I got to a point where I was getting no mission rewards for 100 in-game days, which means uh, for about four missions, which kind of hamstrung me quite a bit because I also didn't unlock unlocks either until halfway into that. So I had all this old armor, and I was really getting chewed up in my encounters. And I was like, I don't want to struggle bust through this and get to the end. I was like, I'm going to start over. I like the game. I understand it a lot better. Let me do this. So that's what I did. Um, having a lot better understanding of it without at that much time, I have a good understanding how the classes work and how what the perfect team is and kind of how synergies work between classes and how to flush enemies out, how to use the environment a lot better. Cause it really wants you to play pretty aggressively, not as aggressive as gears of war. It doesn't rely on you getting like 12 executions in a row. So gears of war tactics, 
wants you to get execution after execution after execution before you move on. And it's a good game. I finished that. But um, you do get an extra action point for the entire squad if you do execute somebody, but you have to stun them. And you can get a character called the Librarian, which has an ability that increases the amount of stuns you get on enemies. Yeah. So it might a stun means you hit an enemy like five or six times with different people, and then it stunned them. And if you can increase the stun amount you get in your shots, that means you get more action points for the team. So I have one person specifically specced out to synergize with him so that I can get executions and get a whole bunch of extra action points. So every turn can essentially have two extra action points when your characters only start with three. That makes a lot of difference. Nice. And you use your action points for both movement and shooting and all that other stuff. But I talked about that at length last time. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about Salt and Sacrifice. I'm going to tell you guys, I'm a big fan of Salt and Sanctuary. I'm not as big a fan of Salt and Sacrifice. I'm going to tell you why. Salt and Sacrifice doesn't have the diversity that the other game does, and here's why. Salt Sacrifice wants to be a Souls-like and a Monster Hunter game at the same time. And what that means is it puts you on these mage hunts to get components to build better gear. Um, which means you play the same levels over a lot. A whole lot. And almost an unenjoyable amount. And so I got a little bit fatigued because I knew I had to do several more runs of the same level to get things from different types of mages. Um, with my sage, which is basically a mage. And I was like, I don't really want to do this. I want to play something in more bite-sized chunks. So I ended up playing the other, playing Chaos Gate. Salt Sacrifice doesn't scratch the itch the same way that Salt and Sanctuary did. One of the things I like about Salt and Sanctuary is that you're constantly discovering new areas and you're constantly making progress either, like it has the interconnected level thing kind of like Dark Souls does. And this one doesn't. You're getting things as you interact with different NPCs that drive the story forward and make you go to the next area, but you end up replaying the level several different times looking for different mages. Um, and the game loop to me wasn't as satisfying. Like, I'm getting new abilities that help me traverse to different parts of the levels, but it just doesn't hit the same because of all the repetition of killing all these extra bosses. And so, in that regard, it's grindier than I wanted it to be, which is a weird thing for me to say. Um, I feel like in Salt and Sanctuary, you could level up at any rest point. In this game, you cannot. You can't level up until you go back to essentially the Nexus from Demon Souls. And so, because of that back and forth, you go out and do your mage hunt. You hopefully get the random drops you want for the gear that you want. Then hopefully you get the random drops for the enhancements for the gear that you want. And then eventually you, you get your thing. And so Salt and Sanctuary is a four and a half as being the best 2D Demon Souls clone. This one is more analogous to Monster Hunter, and I don't like the loop as well. So for me personally, it puts it at about a four. Um, and I'm not finished, but I'm most of the way there. I mean, I've got a, probably 30 hours in the game. It's not a, I mean, it's a fairly long game. But if you feel like the Monster Hunter loop will scratch your itch better than the Demon Souls loop or the Dark Souls loop, 
then it may be more for you than it is for me. But because it wants you to go back and grind against those enemies again, it got repetitive enough that I was like, I'm not, I know what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be playing this level five more times. So I'm going to play Chaos Hunters and make some more progress in that because I do like that game. So Chaos Hunters so far for me is probably about a solid four and a quarter. And Salt and Sacrifice is a solid four. And then King Arthur, A Knight's Tale, um, which I have not finished. I got to start all the way the fuck over. I fucked myself pretty hard in that game. So I don't know what I want to play next. I, I really like King Arthur, but I here's how you screw yourself in that game. Get yourself your place to heal injuries very quickly, which is your uh, cathedral. Get your hospice as early as you can so you can heal your vitality. And get as soon as you get another tank, start using that tank. Um, everybody's got fucking injuries. It is fucking murder going through levels right now. It is meant to be played on hard. And it is very challenging on hard. Um, learn how to use your rogues. Um, I learned that too. The rogue can be incredibly powerful in this game. As in that you can get in position and basically one turn an enemy. It's not a one shot, but in one turn you can take out an archer or you can take out a significant target pretty quickly with the rogue. Um, but he, this is also fucking paper too. So if you don't watch out, he's going to end up injured and you're, you're fucked. Right. Um, but he's also got a trap ability. Like a, I think that game is very tactical. One of the most tactical, one of those types of like XCOM style games that I've played in a very long time. And Chaos Gate is tactical in a different way is that you want to... Overwatch is not as much your friend in that game. Just going to say that. Put people in a position where they have to go through hazards in the environment and create hazard and havoc and just go to fucking town. That's how you play that game. Whereas King Arthur, it is all about drawing things into choke points and getting things positioned and making things focus on your tank so you can get backstabs. Um, or set up essentially hazards, right? You can use the rogues to set up slow traps so that you can maneuver your way in a position where they're splitting their attention so you can get them backstabbed like crazy. But uh, yeah, that's uh, most of what I've been playing. Um, actually, all of the, what I've been playing. I just don't know where to put my focus right now. Do I want to play turn-based games? Do I want to play Salt and Sacrifice? Or do I want to try out one of these early? Because all three of those games I just mentioned, Little Witch in the Woods, Core Keeper, and V Rising are all early access, and it depends on how you feel about that stuff. But I'm, um, they're all feature complete early access, so I think they're probably okay. And they, they have replayability. Like these are all games that have a grind loop versus with some story, right? But it also, it's just, it's set up in a way where you could play this multiple times and not get bored, right? Like playing something like Wasteland or an RPG like Baldur's Gate, right? Like the early access for Baldur's Gate, you're literally playing story. Yeah. And I don't want to replay story over and over and over again and only get past the first act only to play the full version when it finally comes out in like four years. So that happened to me. I had a bad experience with Wasteland 2. It was an early access backer of that. Uh, prior to early access, it was a Kickstarter backer of that. And I played the first act of that game probably eight or nine times and it finally came out in a full release and I had to put it off for two weeks because I knew that I had to go through the thing that I'd been through essentially that's just slightly more refined in the final version of the game to get to something I hadn't done yet and I was like 
I do like this game, but I don't necessarily want to go through the exact same thing that I just did. So I'm going to wait. And that's what happened. Damn. But turn-based is still alive, man. Um, like I said, if you like early, if you like XCOM style games, the setting's not XCOM, but those two games I mentioned, uh, King Arthur and uh, Warhammer, Chaos Gate, Warhammer 40K, Chaos Gate, Demon Hunters, that game's pretty pretty all right. Um, but yeah, that's what I got. Nice. Do we want to take a break? All right. We'll be back. And we're back. Woohoo! We're uh, thinking about additional uh, mods here. And we've been going through cup holder mods for this table. And I literally found the thing. Because this, I want you to just take a look at that, has a wing nut that we could cut down. Oh, yeah, totally. And put a magnet right there. And that's your cup holder. They're $5 a piece. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. And then, so what we're thinking is there's an, there's a basically a two-by-four that's on the side of the table right in front of the legs underneath the top. And we were now, thinking about adding a desk track on the inside and then putting magnets. But then we found magnets with screws, neodymium rare earth magnets. Be, be careful, though. That's a... Uh... That's a feed cup. Oh, is it? Yeah, for like a for like a kennel. Oh, well. I wonder how big that is. Right. Well, the so, idea is there. Anyway, the idea is there. That's the thing. Um, the tangents we go on sometimes. Um, talking about um getting towards the topics of news and stuff. I actually, nice. I actually pre-downloaded a uh, uh, soon-to-be-released game, all because Game Pass uh, has now started allowing uh, pre-installs. Oh, what did you install? Sniper Elite 5. When does that come out? The 26th. Well, hell, that's just right around the corner. Heck yes. And it's pre-installed. <laughs> huh. So, I'll get to start playing that soon. I didn't even know that was going to be a day one Game Pass release, but hey, I will take it since I found that out. Um... The Microsoft's pushing it because it was um, my Xbox app on my PC updated. Um, and that was the the first ad pushing itself at me. Well, I did find some other news that might interest some things and stuff. So you started playing uh, Death Stranding. Um, there was an announcement that Norman Reedus leaked that said that the... 
he just started working on Death Stranding 2. Now, that's not an official confirmed title, but he literally just said, oh, we're working on the second one. And I'm not 100% sure if that is for real or not, but that's kind of cool. Um, something else that I thought was pretty interesting that it should still be free depending on when we release this. So if you listen to this day one, which we'll probably have this up in the middle of the week, I'm going to commit to Wednesday. Somebody can hold me accountable later if I don't. But Wednesday is what I'm looking for. So, Jason, if you can help me with that, I will get it up by Wednesday and then tell me Absolutely. it has to be up Wednesday. Um, Borderlands 3, uh, Jason's talked about it quite a bit, is free on the Epic Store right now. Um, no DLC, but if you're interested in it, it's not a bad game. I mean, Jason's got a lot of time in it. It's just not as good as 2. It's yeah. like, for me, it goes 2, 1, 3. And then that one that's uh, the side quest one is okay and whatever. You mean the prequel? Yeah, the prequel. It's, it's just okay. It's not that great. Yeah. Um, something else that kind of popped up. So there's been a guy that's been working on a massive Fallout mod for Fallout New Vegas called Fallout London. Yeah. Um, actually has a few of the doctors from Doctor Who doing voice acting in it. So this is actually a pretty major mod. Um, they're looking for probably sometime next year. Um, it's a total conversion mod. Oh wait, it's not. It's not Fallout Three. It's it's Fallout Four. Yeah, it's the newest Fallout. Yeah. Well, aside from seventy six. Yeah. Um, trying to find the name of it, but he enlisted talents of Colin Baxter and Sylvester McCoy. Um, so. That's pretty fucking authentic when it comes to uh, if you're a Doctor Who fan. Hell yeah. So they're actually voice acting for part of this mod, which is pretty crazy that they were able to get this. Like, how much did they pay them? Or are these people like Fallout fans? I don't know. But uh, yeah, they've got them as the voice acting talent for it. Um, But I thought that was something that was pretty cool. Um, Something else that was in the works right now um, is... Alan Wake is working with the Walking or the Walking Dead studio is working on an Alan Wake TV show. Um, they did a very good job with The Walking Dead. I am kind of stoked or, or about that because the thing is, is uh, whether whatever your thoughts are about The Walking Dead, aside from it just going too long, um, they did an exceptional job when that came out. Zombies weren't really a thing. I've just been into zombies for a long time. And I don't want to say before zombies were cool, just before zombies. I was into zombies before zombies were as mainstream as they are today. I, I I'm a big say Romero you. fan. I've been a Romero fan. And when that came out, we were just starting the show. And I was like, oh, a, a zombie TV show that doesn't look like crap? Right. Like, count me in. And it, like, they did I, that whole first season in black and white. And it's exceptional. The The first season of Walking Dead in black and white is exceptional. Yeah, I I was a huge fan of. It just uh, it kind of went off the rails, is all. Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, and you know most of the camp- uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake they had was with Ving Rhames. Yes, that one is excellent. Yeah, I don't care that what one is says. That's really a, great. That's a really well done. Um, but I mean those original campy zombie films, I really liked. Um, I was really into those. The only, the only issue is the walking deads really started kind of, I think wearing me down. And I think, um, 
a lot of there there are gonna be people that hate me for this, you damn squeaker. <laughs> um a lot Call of me McSqueakins. Lot lot of people will uh, hate me for this, but I felt like after um um after they got to the uh uh to the town um uh with the pow uh the town that still had power and everything and and the um th- that initial fight with with Negan and the survivors ended um and Glenn was dead and Abraham was dead and all of that. I felt like the writing on the show got a lot weaker. I fell off of it after that. Man, when looking at like news for this week, there's not a lot going on. Um, aside from a couple of real big announcements, we were, I was joking in our unofficial thread. That's just the tilt crew. And, um, I was saying, well, there's nothing else that's really releasing this year that's huge, so I guess Elden Ring is it. But it was really because um, Starfield and um, Redfall got pushed back. So Redfall, I think, is the Red Guard version, Red Guard story they're doing in this in the uh, Elder Scrolls universe, um, which you know they had announced essentially Elder Scrolls Six, right? Um, that is being pushed back and then Starfield is not ready. And so it is not announced or launching on 11, 11, 22 or what is it? 11, 22, 22 is what they were originally going for. Yeah. So, um, there was an official announcement about a week ago that said that that was going to be pushed back. And of course it got pushed back, um, which is a pretty big deal because that doesn't mean there's a lot in the way of, huge releases still coming out this year. Um, Dolman or Dolson or whatever um, just came out the other day, so that's something that just released. Um, Um, Vampire Survivors also came to Game Pass this week. Dude, you could get it for three bucks or play it on Game Pass. Like, it's fucking great. Um, I almost decided to play it on Game Pass just so I could bling out all of the achievements since I've beat the fuck out of that game. It is the best cheap game I've ever played. The best super cheap game I've ever played. Um, it's yeah. three bucks, two ninety nine on Steam or on for freeze on Game Pass. I think everybody should play Vampire yeah. Survivors. But V, um, well, here's a piece of news. So, in testament to um, how hard it's going to start getting for developers to uh, optimize game games for. Uh, for not just PC and the next gen consoles, but down to uh, the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One, um, Gotham Knights, uh, WB WB Games Montreal announced that that will not be available on the previous gen consoles. That doesn't surprise me. I think, as far as like. Potential V Rising is definitely turning into a indie hit. I think that's one that I need to check out and will be checking out. I'm hoping that like Xenonauts 2 comes out. I really like Xenonauts 1. I've played a fair amount of that. 
Uh, it's basically like original XCOM is what it was like. Um, Xenonauts 1 was. So I'm really looking forward to that. But the uh, Little Witch in the Woods is getting a lot of chatter right now. So that's another one I think that I'm going to check out for you guys. And if you've got Game Pass, it's already there. Yep. Um, um, and then Core Keeper, if it actually releases. There's like, And I've got a whole bunch of games that are in early access that are just sitting. Like I've got Ever, Everspace 2 just sitting. Yeah. And then next week we have uh, Hard Space Shipbreaker. Yep, that's coming to Game Pass as well. Uh, for PC Game Pass. So I liked that originally. I want to see what the final iteration of that is. I just stopped playing when I got ran out of things to do. Because I played it in early access and I liked the concept. But I didn't want to play it into Oblivion. But Dolman is out right now. Um, not 100% sure how I've feel about it yet right now it's sitting at a mixed rating i'll have to see why oh fuck it's got a real mixed rating maybe that wasn't what we wanted to look for yep. um the dead space remake um a release date was confirmed for it to be january 27th um so ea i guess ea is uh pushing for that to be in the first quarter um other than that um well it's just like i thought that salt and sacrifice was going to be such a groundbreaking thing and then it didn't end up meeting my expectations for what i was looking for because i wanted to be as good as salt and sanctuary and it's just not for me so i don't know there's other releases that we i think the rest of this year it's going to be dotted with a bunch of indie releases the uh, One of the things that I thought was really neat that we haven't really talked about yet is the, so there's a game coming out that we're all looking forward to, um, and that's called Dark Tide, which is the makers of Vermintide have a uh, 40K universe game, and they just announced they'll have a playable Psyker class, which is somebody who's basically like a space sorcerer, right? And... um the thing that they're doing different from the Vermintide games, the Vermintide games had very distinct characters and while you could customize their outfits and things like that and their gear based on what you found, you never got to customize the characters themselves. This has a character creator for each of the characters now. So you can really make the characters your own. I don't know how in-depth that character creator is, but the fact that they're talking about that is actually a pretty big deal. Um... A uh, big, uh, big news thing for uh, for a lot of console players out there. Um, EA uh, also announced at the end of last week that uh, they are going that they're they are not renewing their relationship uh, licensing with FIFA. Yeah, and they are dropping the name. Uh, so now apparently, um, the game will be called EA Sports FC for Football Club. So, um, that's that's kind of a big deal. I mean, the EA has had uh has had the licensing for the FIFA name for for over thirty years, um, but. Uh, 
apparently, according to uh, uh, to some uh, insiders who uh, uh, work for the New York Times, uh, reported at the end of last year that FIFA wanted to more than double the cost for the license. That's weird. Yeah. There's something that I thought was a little bit more interesting than that. So some of the ex-Skyrim devs are working on a game with 505 Studios called Among the Trolls. Um, it's a survival game based on one of two characters you go to stay in Finland with family and they get transported to some kind of magic world. Hmm. Um, so it's a survival style game with resource gathering and building, etc. It seems like it's based on settlement management. So it's not going to be out anytime soon, but I think if you're curious, look at the trailer. The trailer looks pretty neat. Um, it seems like, you know, I don't know. There was a shitload of people that worked on Skyrim, so I don't know which people from Skyrim are working on it, but people who worked on that game from, you know, at this point, 11 to 15 years ago, right, are working on this game. So hopefully there's a decent level of pedigree uh, involved with that. And 505's got some pretty cool stuff. Um, other than that, the only other thing I really found that was interesting is if you never got to finish um, Assassin's Creed Origins, um, that's coming to Game Pass next month as well. So for the month of June, you'll have plenty of things to play with. Um, Hopefully, and then if there's anything that catches your fancy, uh, Epic's having a sale right now for the next few days, so a pretty big mega sale or whatever it's going to be. But um, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? Mm, nothing that's really... Nothing I'm seeing that's really big at this point. There's still a... You know, still a bunch of rumors about um, different possible Q4 games, but really, un until we get, until we really get some confirmation on a lot of these games, there's not just uh, a whole lot happening right now. I feel like it's probably going to be, um, be August before a lot of the Q4 slate really starts to. Um, to solidify and it's going to be and until then there's just not really much to talk about as far as um upcoming games or or news on release dates at all i think it's mostly just big stuff all uh you can always count on me to play the indies so i will let you guys know what indies i like a lot and then the three that are generating a lot of chatter that I haven't gotten a chance to try it again just for Vampire Survivors which is excellent yeah I know this I've beat that game six ways from Sunday and still will play it and then you got V Rising which is apparently sold half a million copies Core Keeper which is sold half a million copies and Little Witch in the Woods which is also um, I don't know if it's selling Game Busters but I know that it's on Game Pass as well as on Steam and it's pretty cheap so most of these, except for V Rising, don't requ require a potato to play it. So even if you have been stuck behind a PC building wall because of the availability of things, um, these things should play on anything. But I don't really get anything else. 
Oh, wait. I I do have uh I just found one for you. So apparently Kojima publicly responded to uh to Redis's comments about about a new game being in development. Yeah, what did he say? He just responded with Go to your private room, my friend. <laughs> so So that pretty much confirms it. <laughs> they're working on something. Which I'm I'm way okay with. Give me more give me more death stranding. But with that, Jason, where can you find us? Find us at tiltcast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash tiltcast. Our YouTube channels, youtube.com slash real tiltcast. Search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. Find friends of the show. Um, we've got Cabbage KBG. We've got NoQuarters.net.net. We've got For the Love of Gaming. We've got BMFCast.com and TVGP.TV. They play JRPGs. And with that, it's the end of the show. Peace. <laughs>